Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. If you understood where God brought me from, you'd understand my praise. Wow, kid. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your obedience. Amen. Lacey's got a word she's going to share before we get into the word. I just want to start by saying what a gift you are, Kenny, your whole family to the body of Christ. That is worshiping in spirit and in truth. I want to be like you when I grow up. Uh, I just want to be obedient real quick, just something short coming off of what Jennifer said, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to share. Uh, Yesterday I was actually uh, weeding my flower garden that I haven't tended to in a while, and um, I was on my hands and knees, and it was just a lot, just pulling it up, and as I was pulling it up, Before I knew it, I was just praying in the spirit. And then I just began to name it as I pulled it up. Naming things in my life. Naming things in my mind. (laughs) Naming things in my family. Naming things in the body of Christ. Just pulling it up and praying in the spirit. And I just had a moment with the spirit. You know when you have those moments, it's just like, man, that was good, you know. Well, I was done, and I went around to the front, and I was going to water my, I have some bushes that I planted. This is my first time this year, y'all, to do anything like this, so. I planted them, me and my mom planted them, they're called sunshine, and when I went around, I was standing there looking at it, and there was a vine on the top of it, and it had this beautiful green leaves, it was just so pretty, so I called Michael over there, and I was like, look at this, it's growing with my bush, like, and it's so pretty, I feel like I should leave it, and as soon as I said it, the Holy Spirit said, no ma'am, so I began to dig in the bush and look, and the vine had wrapped itself around everything in between, it was just pulling it down like it was choking it out and immediately I heard the Holy Spirit say it's that deceitful man and that's all he said but I knew what he was saying and I just want to encourage you body of Christ just like Jennifer said we have to steward what has been given to us and it can be that deceitful we must pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us because sometimes it's the pretty things in our life that we have to be torn down what wow Thank you. That's just real. Oh, yeah, I don't need that. Thank you, Kobe. (laughs) I don't know why he was taking my mic away from me. Wow. You know, I know we're doing Facebook Live, and uh, I'm glad we have that privilege. Couldn't read the back screen. I was glad we could read the front screen. Uh, But you know, you can't, you just can't get this environment by Facebook. Y'all sense the presence of the Lord in this place. Just just the presence of the Lord. I I feel like today is a really important day. I know every day is and every Sunday is, but uh, uh, maybe not just the, the day. We're in a very important season or era of time. And God spoke to me going, uh, last year and said that he was going to give us the spirit of Issachar. That Issachar, it says that the children of Issachar understood the times and they knew what to do. And if there ever was a time when the church needs to understand the time, it's right now. Uh, 
And I, I feel like that's where God's going to begin to lead us. And I need you to know today I didn't come with a sermon. I came with direction and instruction for where we're headed as the United States of America and the world as far as that goes. Is it not good to see Brother Ricky sitting over here? He got hung up overseas for four months. Four months and could not get back to his family. Look at him. He is smiling. He's glowing over there. God. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I can't even imagine. Uh, been a lot of prayers going up for you guys, for the whole family. It's good to see you, Ricky. Uh, matter of fact, it was the Sunday before you left that you had that situation right here in the sanctuary. And God just intervened, raised him up and... Good to have you back, brother. We love you. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm not going to sermonize you today, and I got some scriptures I want to pour into you today, which will not be off the board uh, or on the board. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number five. And I don't know if you understand this ter terminology, but the Bible says that he gave the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. And so each gift, each office is a gift to the body of Christ to get us where we need to go. And one of them is an apostle. And an apostle is something we don't talk about much and maybe don't even understand what that term is. Um, but I need you to understand this, that what I'm going to share with you today is from an apostolic platform. Meaning, it's, it's not for this church. It's, it's regional direction. It's regional directions, and uh, we're in the process right now of meeting with pastors concerning our current, current uh, 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 state of things locally uh, and in Texas that we'll have to do by Zoom over the next few weeks, um, simply because the church needs direction. And it's all going to begin right here in this pulpit and in my prayer closet right there. So I'm trying to make you realize that there's a bigger mission to the body of Christ than going to church every Sunday. Uh, and so we've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit of what he is doing and what he is saying and how we can be effective in a confused world that we live in. Another uh, great, great surprise we have for you today. There's going to be a baptism. We're going to be baptizing Lacey. Not my Lacey. Lacey, stand up, if you will. Lacey number two. Her mom, dad, friends, sisters, cousins, whatever y'all were, I forgot. But they're here to support her in her baptism today. She has won our hearts and just been a blessing around here. So turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number five. Also, I'm going to give you some scriptures that I probably will not deal with today, but we're dealing with another concept on 9-11, uh, and we started Monday. Do we have any plans tomorrow night? I forgot to ask y'all. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to come back together. God has given me some more stuff on 9-11. Some of you may say, what in the world is he talking about? We'll explain that more tomorrow night. But for you that got to make it two weeks ago, or even if you didn't get to, you're, going to, you're not going to miss this because it's direction for the church uh, on the concept of 9-11, something he gave Courtney a few weeks back. Uh, I'm going to deal with a concept that I'm titling, Whose Side Are You On? And I didn't know whether to title it that or, or Where Do You Stand? So I'm just going to use both of them. 
Whose side are you on and where do you stand? The book of Joshua, chapter number 5, beginning at verse number 13. Are y'all ready? And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, are you for us or for them? Or Joshua put it this way, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, neither. He said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what does my God have to say? Or what has the Lord, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord host said unto Joshua, Loose your shoes from off your foot. Did you notice he didn't answer Joshua's question? He told him to position himself. Loose your shoe from off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua, Joshua did so. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1. No, I'm sorry. Go to Ephesians 1 and 20. Just go over there and hang out there. While you're in Ephesians, I want you to, I just didn't want you running all over the Bible, so you stay in Ephesians, and I want you to listen to a couple scriptures, and I want you to know there's multiple scriptures that I could share with you, but I want you to listen to these scriptures, uh, and, and what I want you to look for in these scriptures is the position of Jesus. Are you with me? I, I want you to, you'll never know where you stand until you know where Jesus stands. So, like I said, there's multiple scriptures, but I'm going to throw some out without you turning there. Uh, and you can write, I'm giving them for your reference. Write it down. Hebrews 12 and 2. Hebrews 12 and 2. Remember what you're looking for. You're looking for the position of Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross Despising the shame, and somebody read it with me, and out loud, and is sat down, huh? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> cool. My daughter-in-law is always correcting me. Oh, I thought y'all could quote it. So listen up, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Now there's another one in 1 Peter 3.22. Write that down. And uh, this is Peter's point of view of where Jesus is. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God. 
angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. He said he's gone in, Jesus is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject unto Jesus. Now, you can read with me in Ephesians chapter number one. Now, Ephesians chapter number one is some of the most powerful stuff and it is hard for me to jump in in the middle of the chapter, but I'm going to for the sake of time. Uh, Just to extract text out of context is what I'm after. Ephesians one, verse 20. It says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Are y'all with me, church? And every name that is named, Taylor, not only in this word world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things. Are y'all reading the Bible with me? He has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Somebody shout it with me now. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And you, just keep reading, and you has he quickened who were dead, Kenny, in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Look to your neighbor and tell them, don't forget where you came from. Huh? You may get you may start getting proud if you don't forget where you came from. You may start getting holier than thou if you don't forget you was a sorry, low down, no good for nothing, egg sucking, chicken stealing. Santa, you, Helen Braddock, you. Can't fool me with your fancy little earring. We're in time past. You walked according to the course of this world. According, here's how you acted, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now is working in the children of disobedience. I just cleared up all your confusion about all the chaos. I just cleared up how you can sit there and watch the news and say, oh my God, I can't believe people act like this. I just cleared it up that you no longer have to wonder that the Bible says they are under control of the God of this world. That's why you can't reason it. There is no human reasoning in the behavior of a lost individual. And he said, you used to be one of them. I mean, all this is for a point of where the church has got to go, okay? Among whom also we all had our conversations in time past. God Almighty. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires uh, uh, 
of the mind and we were by nature the children of wrath just like the rest of them. That ought to help you to quit judging them and remember I was just like them, but God called me out of darkness and brought me into this marvelous light and I can't stand on this side and say I can't believe you're acting like you're acting when I used to act the same way, but God came knocking on my door one day. Just like Five months ago, you couldn't say what you said today. Five months ago. Lacey, I don't know how long ago, but not long ago. Jennifer, Ricky, Randy. Not long ago. Dean, Colby, Robert, all of us. Do you understand what I'm, you understand the words coming out of my mouth? (laughs) That if you understand this, you'll quit judging them and binding the devil that is behind it. They're governed by the God of this world and we're so busy fighting one another that we can't get to the real problem. Oh, you mean there's a spirit behind it? Oh, we're supposed to be spiritual enough to bind the devil behind it? (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy... Oh, somebody shout, but God. You was just like them, but God. (laughs) But God, that's all I can tell you. I can't tell you that I got it all together. I can't tell you that I just just decided to be good. All I can tell you, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) I'm going to write a book, and and all that's going to be in the book is but God. I mean, what can I say? Somebody help me. What did you do? (laughs) He come into your crack house. He come into your dope house. He came into... (laughs) He came into your religious spirit, your self-righteous spirit. He came into your, all I can say is but God. Don't sit there on me this morning because you'd be in hell but God. Oh, if you can't shout over that, you're too far gone. You'd be in hell right now but God. (laughs) Oh, God, we got work to do. We're going to unfold this today. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love. (laughs) That one scripture ought to be enough. For because of his great love, Scott, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he has quickened us with Christ. For by grace you were saved. Oh, Oh, here it is. Here it is. Six. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you again, where do you stand? He has raised us up together, uniformly, uh, uh, unanimously, is that a word? He has raised us up corporately with Christ and seated us in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of power and authority, far above all power, all dominion, ever demon, in Christ. 
Right now. I can't explain that, but right now. I can't explain when I turn my key to the right, something happens in the car cranks, but I ride in it everywhere I go. I ain't walking. (laughs) That in ages to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Look at verse number 10. For we are his workmanship, created where? There it is again. In Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God decided. He before ordained that we should walk in them. He done decided before you was born all the good things he was going to do through you. Isn't that powerful? 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off have been brought close by the blood, Kenny, by the blood of Jesus. For he is our peace who made both one. He made both one. There are no two sides. He made both one. And he broke down the middle wall that that partitioned us. He abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained an ordinance for to make in himself one, somebody say it, to make himself of two, one new man. So making peace. There will not be peace until we become one. I'm going to say this right now to prepare you for some shocking statements I'm going to make. There will be no peace as long as you maintain your identity. Yeah, I know that's, I know that needs to be worked, but still. There will be no peace as long as you maintain your self-perceived identity. Let me say it like that. There'll be no peace until your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And then we will be one man Now, y'all got to remember, I'm preaching apostolically, meaning I'm preaching after devils today. And with statements, they're going to come down. Division, demons of division are going to be attacked by the preaching of the word today. So I don't know if you're going to be spiritual enough to catch it, but I'm after something way above us. One new man, so making peace, 16. And that he may reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having killed the enmity thereby. I'm not a doomsday preacher, but I want to draw a, 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 and I don't want to over-exaggerate, but I I think under-exaggeration, if you will, is killing us right now. Uh, Josh gave me a definition one time that I, that I hold on to, I hope I can quote it right if you don't be ready to quote it, Uh, that the word relevant, the church has misused the word relevant. We thought the word relevant was I had to look like the world, I had to act like the world, I had to go where the world goes, I had to dance to their music in order to be able to reach them. But in actuality, that's compromise that destroyed a great big portion of the church and our influence and integrity in the world we live in. Can I get a witness? 
I didn't come to preach. I just come to talk. Amen. Uh, but the word relevant actually means to be in touch with the state of your current affairs. Is that good enough? Current condition. To be relevant means to be in touch with your current condition. And a church that is not in touch with the current condition of their community is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, it's irrelevant. A, a, a church that is, that is disconnected to the current affairs of either your ge- geographical location or your nation is an irrelevant church. In other words, you are useless. Uh, uh, does anybody like salt? Ricky, I'm going to play like you didn't say that. <laughs> I wished I didn't like salt. I used to think I loved fried fish. I can eat fish every day. I love it. But I decided to cut my salt out. And I didn't salt my fish. I found out I don't like fish. I like salt. Can I get a witness? Huh? You'll find out there's a lot of food you really don't like if you leave the salt off of it. Amen. Well, I, can I tell you, the Bible says you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt stays in this shaker, you're useless. If your salvation stays in this shaker, you're useless. If anything God is doing in your life stays in you, you are useless. Just come to encourage you today. <laughs> So I, I don't watch news. I don't watch news because, because I don't trust any of them. Amen. A lot of, lot of the problem, not a lot of, the major problem of the United States of America is the news media, Fox News, CNN News, CNNBC or whoever they are, and social media sets the narrative that you swallow. And you make your decisions and judgments based upon what you, the news program you decided to listen to. And what really makes that in error, you decided to listen to the news that agrees with your narrative anyway. That's where denominations come from. I'll just pick a church that preaches my narrative and everybody's in total unity. Is anybody listening to me? God is raising up a body. Amen. I said I wasn't going to preach, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm adamant about this, amen. And you just pick what's favorable to you, therefore we have divided for one another, and I can't reach across the aisle because I don't want to hear what you got to say because it don't fit the narrative that I believed, amen. I told my brother the other day, I caught him reading his Bible before church, and I walked up to him, I said, do you believe what you read, or are you reading what you believe? He looked at me like y'all are looking at me. <laughs> I said, think about it. Amen. We come to the Bible and read the Bible, but we don't have our own narrative that we believe, and then we make the Bible read what I already believe instead of letting the Bible bring me to a higher place. And that's the way you do with news media. That's why you block certain people off your social media because we all put ourselves in circle who believes what I believe. Amen. And it, I'm going somewhere. Okay, this is a, this is going to get spiritual. But I come to tell you, I've started watching the news. 
And I've started watching both sides. Uh, not so I could get my narrative. Just so I could be uh, up to date on the current issues of the state that we're in. Having said that, I'm going to read you something. And let me tell you something. This could be the most important message you ever receive for where we're going as a church. I'm telling you, mark my word. You better hear me today and you better put this in your, in your you better steward this one well because you're going to be asked to live by it. This is the world we live in. This is news coming out of California. Citing the risk of spreading the coronavirus, updated COVID-19, guidelines issued Wednesday by the State Department of Public Health saying places of worship must therefore discontinue singing and chanting activities. Chanting means praying. Places of worship must discontinue Singing, worship, and prayer. The state merely said these institutions should strongly consider discontinuing singing and group recitation and other practices and performances. I'm not talking about in China. I'm talking about the United States of America. You can gather by the thousands to do other things, but they have shut Texas down to 100. I'm canceling meetings this weekend with pastors and leaders because we can't gather, gather in no more than 100. Are you, are you following me? It don't matter to me right now whether you believe in COVID or whether you don't believe. That, that's irrelevant. You got to stay with your pastor today. Amen. The point is, you're about to be brought to a place of whose side you're going to take. Amen. It's just the beginning of being brought to the place, amen, of deciding who you're going to stand with and who you going to stand for. The world we're living in. Oh, somebody better pray for me today. I'm not coming to you as your pastor today. The world we're living in is now demanding that you pick a side. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because your head is in the sand and you don't know what's going on out there. But I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you. I prophesied on the first message I preached. Uh, amen. When your children were calling saying, is this the end? Is this the end? You remember that? They were calling because they were shutting churches down. We couldn't come together. Restaurants were being shut down. Amen. Jobs were being shut down. And, and, and they were beginning, oh my God, I, I, I remember hearing things like this. You know, they were saying when I was a kid in, in, in church, is this the end? And I stood in this pulpit and I said, no, this is not the end, but it is the beginning of the end. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take from the beginning to the end, but I prophesy over to you, this one is not going to blow over. 
This one is not going to blow over. The oil prices may come back up. You may get your job back. That's not what I'm saying. But the moral, spiritual fabric of the United States of America is being unwoven right now, if that's a word. Are you listening to me? And it's not coming back. I'm telling you, I'm going to make some statements today that you can write me off as crazy or you can mark it down. Amen. But we are closer to a civil war than we've ever been since the 1800s right now. Oh, no, we ain't, Pastor, you crazy. Tell me I ain't. You don't live in the city. I saw the civil war already happening in our cities. You are now living in a nation that is requiring that you pick a side. And, and if, if, if the government's not requiring it, if, 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 if people are not requiring it, there's nothing like a crisis to force you to pick a side. Just stay with me, okay? There's, or, or let me put it this way. There's nothing like a crisis to show you where you really stand. Uh, because uh, are y'all praying for me? Neutrality is easy disguise in peacetime. You can stay neutral as long as you cool, I'm cool. Everybody's cool. But I'm telling you, it's already began and it's fixing to get worse than you've ever seen in your lifetime. Amen. To where the very crisis is going to demand that you pick a side. Amen. Paul said, there's nothing like fire to reveal if you really do have faith. There's, there's nothing like fire to reveal where you really do stand. He said, that day of trouble will really reveal what you really believe. I know you've been in neutral because there's been no calamity and you haven't had to make a change. You haven't had to take a side. Thank you, come on. I need somebody praying. For the apostolic anointing this morning. I'm telling you, amen. But let me tell you, when trouble comes, it'll expose your position and it'll force you to take a side. It's easy to stay neutral uh, till your health is attacked. It's easy to remain pretty neutral until your marriage is attacked. It's easy to remain neutral until your children are attacked. Amen. It's easy to say, I have faith to believe uh, until it hits your home. Amen. Uh, I was in, I've been in this sanctuary for hours over the last few days. My wife was gone. Get... Shut that down. Thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Of uh, 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 finding the heart of God for the direction for the body of Christ. Amen. 
And, and, and he put a burden on me that I didn't understand. And I'm walking and praying and I'm an animate prayer and I just believe everybody ought to be happy. You're happy. I'm happy. We're all happy. You're good. I'm good. Let's just be good. God is good. Let's just rejoice. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I was burdened and I was burdened. And in the prayer, I kept saying, God, I got to snap out of this thing. Amen. I got a church to lead. I got to snap out of this thing. And God spoke to me. Amen. And said, this is my problem. He said, I can't find anybody concerned enough to carry my burden. And he said, the reason you're not concerned is because you're ignorant. I'm telling you what he said to me. He said, because you don't know. He said, you're not not concerned because you don't love people. You're not not concerned because you just really don't care. He said, you're not concerned because you're ignorant of the 911 situation that we are in. So when I try to burden you, you want to preach prosperity. When I try to burden you, you want to stand up and say, you're blessed, I'm blessed. Let's all have a good time. When God said, I need a church, I need a person, I need somebody that'll take the burden of the Lord and stand in the gap and make up the hedge and be a voice of reason, a voice of wisdom, a voice of leadership. He said, the only reason you ain't got no tears is because you don't care. And he said, and it wasn't a bad rebuke for me. He just said, you don't care because you don't know. You ain't been deep enough in the spirit. You haven't heard what I'm hearing. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. Souls are going to hell. Families are being divided. Our nation is coming unglued. And you don't have a burden. You don't have a burden. I'll take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. I said, whatever tears are requisite to give birth. Whatever tears are requisite to give birth, let my head become a well that pours water until it soaks the clothes that I wear. <laughs> is anybody listening to me? If tears, if labor is requisite to give birth to sons and daughters in the body of Christ, let my pelvis break. Let my skin stretch. Let my spirit... Oh, no, 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 you I can't put my burden on nobody because we've been preached prosperity. And Deuteronomy 28 of blessed coming in, blessed going out. I can't, I can't give you children. He said, it's a day of blasphemy. Ezekiel said it. It's a day of blasphemy and it's a day of rebuke because the children have come to be born and there's no strength to push. There's no strength to give birth to it. I'm trying to impart an apostolic anointing in this place to where we understand we have a mission. Can I go deeper? Can I tell you in the 1800s, America was just coasting right along. We were coasting right along. We won. Come on, we won. We won. We beat the British Empire. We were living in prosperity. Amen. We were exploding in economics. 
the fledgling nation of the United States of America was putting governments to shame that had been established for thousands of years. Amen. And she was doing so good. Amen. Nobody had to take any sides. Everybody was just neutral and going with the flow. Until a preacher opened his Bible and found out all men are created equal. A preacher opened his... And the abolition movement messed up our peace. It messed up our prosperity. Because a white man was getting rich off the black man. This ain't going to be comfortable. Josh preached last. I don't know what you were talking about. You need to tell me, but he's going to make us very uncomfortable. We're going to have to get real uncomfortable. Are y'all ready? All of a sudden, everybody that was neutral was forced in the 1830s to take a side. Not countries. No, 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 no. Not nations. Families were now sitting around the dinner table talking about things they thought they would never have to talk about. Who am I talking to? Is it happening in your home yet? Because you're forced to because of the words you live in. And all of a sudden, brothers was against brothers. It's in your history books. I couldn't get the clarity of this one story I wanted so bad, but when they posted it, they cut it off. And it was the conversation between a father and his son. The father of which went with the north and the son of which went to the south. And the conversation was, God forbid for us to be on the battlefield and me be in your sights or you be. God forbid. But the times demanded that they take a side. Even those who said, we're not going to take a side. We're not going to watch the news. We're not going to get involved. Amen. Civil war beat their door down. Civil war disrupted their school. Civil war disrupted everything around them that they could not maintain their neutrality in such a divided world. Six hundred thousand in a country of thirty-two million, which now we're seven billion. Six hundred thousand white and black men lay dead on battlefields. Dead on battlefields. Well, I come to tell you today, here we are again. Here we are again. The world is telling us, you got to pick a side. <laughs> the world is saying, where do you stand? I'm, do I, I feel like I'm mad. Do I come across as mad? I'm mad all right, but I ain't mad at you. And I ain't mad at my black brother. And I ain't mad at my government. I'm mad at the spirit behind it all. 
And if I can divert your attention off of this temporal, physical, and get it into the spirit, we can win this thing. If I didn't believe we could win it, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit. I've been called to the kingdom for such a You've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And here you are going about your little Christian life with no concern about anybody but you and your paycheck. God said, I can't find a man who will carry my burden. Will you take, thank you, Kobe. Will you take the lid off that? Oh, I couldn't. I, I got to get this off me today. Would y'all help me share my burden? Yes, I got to get this off me. I got to get it on every pastor. I got to get it on everybody. I got I to gotta share this thing that God has given me here. We are now. Here we are again. And the world is telling us, if you're a Democrat and I'm Republic, we can no longer talk. The world is telling us, if you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican, we can't stand together no more. Amen. If, if I'm a Democrat and you're a Republican, we can't stand together anymore. Uh, come on, am I over-exaggerating or am I preaching our current condition? Amen. Here we are. If you're Baptist and I'm Pentecostal, we can't fellowship no more. Amen. If I'm Baptist and you're Pentecostal or Methodist or Catholic, we can't even fellowship no more. If you're black and I'm white, we can't stand together no more. I need somebody to ask, help me if I'm telling the truth, amen. Huh? If you believe in, in, in uh, 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 not rioting, but uh, protesting and I don't, well, we can't stand together anymore. If I, if I do believe in protesting and you don't, well, we can't stand together anymore. If you believe in wearing a mask and I don't wear a mask, I... <laughs> Is anybody listening to me? Then we can't even talk to each other anymore. If you wear certain colors, you must be this. Oh, I knew this was going to be heavy. If you're a friend to the flag, you're my enemy. If you're an enemy to the flag, you're my enemy. Huh? Huh? I'm just telling you the world we live in. Hey, listen to me. I have literally become conscientious. As a, as a leading, as a pastor, as one of the pastors of our community, I've, I've become afraid of, of logos and colors and shirts that I may wear and never think about it last week, amen? But all of a sudden now, even though there's no root behind it, there's no message behind it other than I like this color on my cap, amen? <laughs> but because of the world we're living in, amen, people take the information they have received and pull you into a category and you have been isolated. And now we're walking on pins and needles. We're walking on pins and needles. So God help me. I, I literally slept in this sanctuary on Friday. I ain't done that since I was a beginner in prayer. <laughs> I just stayed so long. I just laid down and went to sleep. I just couldn't carry it no more. I said, God, I got to rest. I just got to rest. I just. And then I'd hear another news clip. 
And then I see another man die. And I see any, any bit of authority is being dismantled right now. Yes, over some stupid cops. Can I tell you there's some stupid pastors, but we're not all stupid. Can I get a witness? It's like all of a sudden we got an infected, infected toenail, so we're taking the leg off. Instead of saying, let's, let's identify the problem. We got a problem. But my God, don't cripple. Don't cripple the whole system. <laughs> Amen. No, let's, let's come together. Let's reason together. And let's take that toenail off. <laughs> Amen. Let's, let's, let's drill through that toenail and let the affection come out. So I begin to pray, God. How do we navigate a spirit of unity in such a divided world? Can you go with me? Can you stay with me? How do we navigate a spirit of true unity in such a divided America? And God took me to Ephesians chapter number two, verse number six. He said, Joey said, he has raised us up together to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he said, you have been repositioned in a higher position. And all of a sudden it become clear to me, here's the problem. We're, we're, we're trying to find a measure of unity on this level. So if I can get enough facts and enough human reasoning that I may can change your position and we can be unified. But in reality, I'm just trying to get you to quit being who you are and become who I am so we can get along. I got to get you to quit believing what you believe in and believe everything I believe so we can get along. And God said there's only one place you're going to create the level of unity that will heal a nation is to realize I've raised you up above every bit of it. I've raised you up every government, above every mindset, above your culture. And I'm going to say it even above your culture. And I'm really going to say something that's going to blow your mind. Even above your gender. He said, if you're sitting in Christ, you now have a brand new perspective. You're not looking through the eyes of Fox News. You're not looking through the eyes of CNN News. You're not looking through the eyes of social media. You're not looking through the eyes of your current denomination. <coughs> You're no longer looking through the eyes of what your mom and them taught them. You have been raised up so far above that. You're sitting in Christ Jesus. And now every decision you make is coming through the mind of Christ. I'm telling you something right now. Amen. It's coming from the nature of Christ. He said, he said, write these scriptures down. 
Here, Siri's trying to define everything I'm saying. Write this scripture. I'm trying to impart, not preach. Are you mature enough to receive an impartation of a new spirit? Are you listening to me? I come as an apostle. Are you mature enough to receive the impartation of a new spirit? In order to do it, there's an old spirit got to die in this sanctuary today. Galatians 3, 28. In Jesus, there is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither bond nor free. In Jesus, there is neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ. I don't know if y'all caught that. How come nobody ever says anything about that? You're neither male nor female. God said, I'm calling you to a level. He's... Let me read you one more. You have put on Jesus. Colossians 3, 10 and 11. You have put on Jesus, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision. There's neither barbarian. There's neither Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all. And in it all. Can I tell you, I'm proud to be a man. But I have a higher call than even being a man and it's being a person of the spirit who is in Jesus Christ you want to you argue over color he said there ain't even male or female we're so unified I don't know if y'all can handle this this morning amen if you was born a woman you ought to take pride in being a woman but can I tell you that woman can take woman's pride and tear down a man but in Christ Jesus and a man can be proud of being a man and tear down a woman but in Christ there's neither male nor female you're as equal as I am and I'm as equal as you are and we are one in Christ Jesus it's a whole new mindset I'm a wreck I'm a wreck I don't care if you're a democrat or should I say it? I don't care if you're a Republican. <laughs> huh? If you're going to be a Republican, wear it. But don't wear it as a badge of honor and realize, yes, I vote on a Republican ticket or I vote on a Democratic ticket. But can I tell you, sir, I have a higher calling because I've been raised to sit in a place. I operate on a different level. And yes, I believe you ought to vote. If you want to bring changes, put up bullets, get to the ballots, you know, maybe that type of thing. I don't know. But listen to me. What I will is say this. I don't care what religious or, or political party you are I've been raised to sit in a dimension that I have a higher calling than my political persuasion so I have to make my decisions based on what Jesus would say Jesus determines how I vote not not my welfare or my well-being I put this quote up here, and even this might be controversial. Abraham, they were, they were in the fight of the Civil War. And someone asked him, sir, are you concerned about God being on your side, or do you think God is on your side? This is how he responded. Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. 
That's the spirit we got to have. That's the spirit we Have we got a dysfunctional country? Absolutely. But until a man of God who is a good leader, God spoke to me and said, every crisis demands good leadership. He also told me that evil will fill the vacuum of the absence of good leaders. And so in times like these, all kind of organizations pop up with agendas, political agendas, personal agendas, amen. There ain't but one agenda that's going to bring ultimate healing that our generation after generation will benefit from. And it's the, it's the leader who, has, who is now governing from his new position in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And all of a sudden, he showed me, Joshua, are y'all okay? This is a lot, ain't it? I'm sorry, visitors. Pastor's on a rampage today. I was in prayer, and he reminded me of Joshua. Joshua was anointed to bring change and transport that fledgling church into their destiny. We've been preached now. And he was in the spirit of prayer. And while he was there, Kobe, he had an encounter with a supernatural being. I believe it's without exaggeration that we can prove this was the Son of God because he received worship. Angels will not receive worship. And so he was in a, he was in a place of prayer because of the great task that was ahead of him. And the Bible says all of a sudden he saw a man standing there with a sword in his hand. Can I just say right now, if we would leave the sword fighting to Jesus and put ours up, we'll bring peace. Now, now that's not a cop out that needs to be taught, but just, just see the picture. He does have a sword in his hand. Meaning this is a time of war. And the first words that came out of Joshua's mouth with all of his good intentions were divisive by nature. The first thing he said is, are you for us or are you for them? God said, that's your problem. It's us and it's them. Every one of you are struggling with that right now. You ain't got to say nothing. And you don't even have to admit it, but the time is going to force you to admit it. So we better get it right now. It's us and it's them. When it's us and them, you can pray any way you want to and God will never respond to it. He would not respond to his racism, his biasness, or his divisive statement. Are you for us or for our adversary? And, and Jesus said, I ain't for neither one of you. 
can I kick you off yourself, pious, <laughs> high and mighty, exalted pinnacle you own, that they're wrong, the writers are wrong, the looters are wrong, the white is wrong, the black is wrong, the president is wrong, and this is wrong. In every bit of it, you have put yourself in a position that you are right. And if everybody submitted to the way you think, we would have peace in the world. No, we would have hell on earth. Are you listening to me? It's in every family. It's in every home. Hear me, moms and dads. If you don't get this sermon, you're not going to know how to talk to your children and you're going to perpetuate your ignorance of it's us and it's them. He said, are you for us or, or, or for your enemies? He said, he, uh, he said, nay. In other words, the word is neither because as right as you think you are, you're wrong in your approach. You have done divided. He said, basically, he said, you're not even ready to engage the problem because you have a faulty mindset. I'm preaching apostolically what he's telling me in a prayer closet carrying a burden. You're not even ready. You think you want unity? You think you want to heal a nation? You think you want to affect generation after generation? He said, but you're not even, you're not even ready to engage the problem because you're engaging with an improper mindset. You're too, you're, some of you are too American to be Christian. Are you a patriot? I am a patriot to my core. Am I glad to be a part of the United States of America? Absolutely. I don't want to live anywhere else. Amen. But some of us, he said, are so Americanized. Amen. You come from everything like America is God, and America is being brought to her knees so God can be God again. Am I an American? I'm an American second. I'm a Christian first. Now the reason this is important because the American government one day is going to take that pesky little hindrance that's hindering us from dominating the world. That, pest, that pesky little organization called the church is in our way. That, 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 that pesky thing called truth is getting in the way of our selfish ambitions. So we got to shut the church down. So one day, you're going to have to choose a side. Are you American or are you Christian? I choose mine now. It took me three days of wallowing in this carpet, but I have made my decision. And I've realized, Joshua, you're, you're not even in the right frame of mind to tear down walls. You know, with me? Those walls have been standing forever. They're impregnable. They're called the walls of Jericho. But Joshua, you're not even prepared to take on that kind of walls because you ain't got the right mindset.
He said, before I use you to tear down walls, I need you to take your shoes off. I need you to humble yourself and realize, but God, but God, but God. I I need you to, to humble yourself and realize you can't walk without me. You can't talk without me. You can't think without me. You can't lead a family without me. You can't direct a church without me. You can't start a revolution without me. You can't bring revival without me. Take your shoes off. And now Joshua is in the only position to bring change. It said he fell on his face. Now he's in position to bring change. Because he said, Joshua, I'm going to tear down walls with your walk, not your talk. I just want you to march and shut up. I'm going to tear down walls with a lifestyle. I'm going to tear down walls with a consistent expression of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tear down walls and it's me wielding the sword and you're just walking the walk. And he said, oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, now, and, and when you get it right, when you start operating from, I'm going to use your mouth. I'm going to use your mouth, Joshua. (laughs) And you're going to shout. But when I get through humbling you, you're not going to be shouting at people. You're going to be shouting for God. He said, because when you shout and you lift me up, I'm going to break down walls that nobody else can break down. Are we up to it, church? Are we able? He said, listen, are y'all kidding all this? Are you really getting all this? Is this filmed? You got to get this. He said, you, you have an earthly agenda, but I came with a heavenly perspective. But the problem is, you couldn't find my perspective because you're too busy doing your own thing. But I come to tell you what heaven thinks about this situation. So let's get first things first. First, you get your shoes off and position yourself. He'll never swing the sword that tears these walls down until we find that position. And then it come to me. Joshua didn't tear them walls down on the battlefield. He tore them walls down in a prayer closet with nobody but him. It was him and Jesus. He wasn't even ready to go engage the problem until he got the assignment from heaven. He wasn't ready to address the situation until he was in a spirit of prayer and Jesus said, this is how I'm going to do it. We got to come back to prayer. I'm not talking about this is what I've, I'm just telling you what I've experienced. I always pray for the church. I, oh, that's, 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 that's who I am. I, 
I pray for the church more than I pray for my family because it's who I am. It's, I'm, I'm a, it's the calling. You're not supposed to feel guilty if you don't do that. That's, that's my calling as an apostle. And not only do I pray for this church, but as an apostolic spirit comes on me, I pray for all the churches. But he said, no, 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 you haven't. You haven't experienced this level of prayer. You're just praying for blessings here and there. and God, give us souls. and Oh, God, help me to walk right and spit white today. And he said, but I have very few that will get on their faces until the tears coming out of their heads washes them with pride. It's the water breaking that allows me to give birth to something more powerful than me. It's binding the strong man so we can go spoil his goods. Prayer meetings are fleeting and passive. And Y'all okay? I'm going to talk to you on the way to work this morning, Jesus. You ever seen anybody, any woman give birth while driving down the road? It's awkward. Am I saying, we're, we, we're talking a lot, Kobe, about stewarding presence. That ought to be a continual state of prayer. But Joshua left everybody and was in a private place. And he got a visitation. And he got direction. And he literally won that battle before he ever left that holy ground. You know what that tells me, Kamal? If you're going to win this battle, you've got to take your shoes off. You'll have to win it barefooted. You'll have to win it in a spirit of humility and humbleness to where we are all equal. Can I go just a little deeper for just a few moments? Are y'all still okay? <clears throat> now, I'm not getting to the spiritual side of this. Tomorrow night, I will touch on it a little bit more. But he was telling Joshua, you cannot change your world with worldly views. And as Christian as you think your view is, sometimes it can fall so short of what Jesus' view is. And then we take scripture to back up our, Republican, our uh, political party. We take scripture and back up our denomination. We take scripture and back up everything that we are because we're all operating with a world view. And God says, I have raised you up to sit in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. And he said, in me, there's not multiple races. In me, there's not multiple denominations. In me, there's not multiple political parties. In me... There is perfect unity and harmony. I come to ask you, whose side are you on? Where do you stand? Are you really on Jesus' side? Are you really standing in heavenly places when you respond to the current dilemma in our situations? 
Are y'all going to stay with me? I need you to. I can't break this, and I'm not through. This is what I found already. I got some meetings coming up that I am literally, I hate this is on Facebook, but I'm afraid. And these meetings are with men of God. They're with leaders. They're with pastors. And I'm afraid to hear what might come out of their mouth. I'm afraid to hear the biasness that they may be clinging to. I'm afraid to hear I can't join with you because you're not the same denomination. I, I am, I am. This is something I've asked my elders to pray for me about. But what I'm finding out is the reason it's hard to take a stand is because when you take a stand, you stand out. As long as you're neutral, I'm good, you're good, we're all good. But when you take a stand, you're going to stand out. And then the question is, are you going to keep standing? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now listen, listen, I, I need you to let your minds go out. I'm not, I'm not even talking about race here. I'm talking about your privilege to pray. I'm talking about your privilege to worship. I'm talking about your privilege to sing a song in a worship service. Are y'all listening to me? Oh, you, you couldn't preach this message last year because we didn't have a point of reference for it. But now I got a point of reference, amen. Huh? Are you going to stand when your government is telling you you can't pray? You can't sing. You can go to the dollar store. I'm sorry to chuckle. It's the greatest spirit of hypocrisy I've ever seen in my life. And weak Christians are crumbling under it. And they're buying into it. And they're biting it off. And so God said, but, but this is not nothing new. He said, let me remind you of three boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were living large until society demanded they take a side. They were living large. They were favorites of the king. They were eating well. They were living well. We've been in an America that that may be the case for most of us in here, not everybody, but ain't none of you doing without. Can I get a witness? Huh? Amen. They were living large until one day. Somebody said, we got to get rid of that little church that's right in the middle of our society. We, we got to get rid of that Christian mindset. And they, they, they made it happen. They made it happen, Kamal. They made it happen. Everybody's going to bow. Everybody's going to bow to this idol. I'm going to play the music. When the music stops, everybody's going to pay homage to this governmental system. 
they would have lived on just as peaceful if they'd have never been forced to take a stand. Matter of fact, the majority of that kingdom didn't know what they stood for until they had to take a stand. They're just one of us mingling in the streets, shopping at the same stores. Passing them every day. Hey, Shad, y'all doing all right? Everything good? I'm cool. <laughs> How's old Meshach doing? They fine. Bendigo's a little under whatever. He's okay. He'll be all right. Just until they were standing in a worship service. And the music stopped and everybody bowed. Every child needs to hear this sermon. Every teenager needs to hear this sermon. Every Christian, every mom, every dad. Dad, what are you going to do when the government and all the peer pressure is saying, you're going to bow? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know what? It's easy for you to answer that question in your mind right now because you ain't been there yet. Just a little bit of it lately, just a little, just a little nudge here and there. But I'm telling you, it's coming. I want this message documented like church because it's coming. That you're finding out where I stand right now. And when they bowed, they stood. They stood politely. They stood reverently. But the problem was reverence to God was irreverence to a system. I'm talking about worship now. Reverence to God was irreverence to a political, governmental system. But because they took their stand... God drew his sword and he changed an entire nation. Are y'all listening to me? They didn't do it their way. They didn't do it with their own mindset. They did it with a conviction that God is able to deliver us out of your hands, O king, but if he don't, we're going to be out of here because we're going to die. Just a raw determination and faith. And then I remembered another. Are y'all still okay? I told you I wasn't preaching. I'm just talking. There was another man I remember in the Bible. What was his name? His name. He was associated with lions. Daniel. That was him. Daniel was cool. He was the king's right hand man. King loved him. He was getting along with government. This is a whole different level of preaching from our little see you at church on Sunday morning, isn't it? Everything was cool until the covenant said, you can't sing no more, Daniel. You can't pray no more, Daniel. So Daniel said, you know what? I've been cool with you, king. Because you never forced me to take a side. But now that I am forced to take a side. 
he kicked them windows open. And he stayed committed to his God. And as a result, God changed an entire nation. A king changed the whole edict. The king, I don't guess, got saved. But he said, their God is God and nobody better talk against it. I'm convinced, God, we're not going to be able to see the glory of God until the body of Christ takes our stand in Christ. In Christ. To where we start approaching one another from my position in Jesus. I start responding to you from a position in Jesus. Can you imagine responding to someone who's ripping your beard out, sticking a crown of thorns on your head, beating you beyond recognition, and your response is, Father, forgive them? I'm going to give you a quote, and I'm not going to give you his name because you can't call names anymore because... it. it but he said, I destroy every one of my enemies by making them my friend. Jesus become the friend of sinners. Are y'all feeling me this morning, body of Christ? I got to quit. But I pray that I've imparted, and this is part one of your position. Because the Bible says you and I have been positioned far above principalities and powers and spiritual wickednesses in high places. Our next step is the Joshua agenda of going to a place of prayer into a spirit realm, seeing what God is doing and then tearing down strongholds in that realm of prayer. The church is plagued with teaching on prayer and talking about prayer and it's the least thing we do is pray. And then Joshua had to come out of a prayer closet and engage the society that he was living in. Has anybody heard anything today? Has anybody heard anything? Has anybody received anything today? There's God's been calling a lot of the body of Christ to a deeper. Have y'all been noticing that? Courtney, we've been doing a lot of talking lately. He's calling you to a deeper realm. Some of you are not listening because you're chasing the American dream. You're stinking lazy. I don't know what you're poison. You ain't got time. Just mark my words right now. It's not over and it's not about to stop that sooner or later you're going to be forced to commit or leave. The world you live in is going to force true Christians to deeper relationship or they're going to dare not join themselves to us. I'm prophesying now. huh? You go ahead and enjoy your little business. You go ahead and enjoy your, your, your little money making. Go ahead and enjoy your little life. Amen. Huh? And just forget this sermon. And don't go into prayer and say, God, give me a burden. I promise you it's coming. I'm prophesying right now that the times are going to demand you and your wife to sit across the table where y'all used to count money and to count the lack thereof and say, are we going to trust God? Are we going to follow God? Are we going to pursue God? 
I ain't never preached on this level. Are y'all okay? I'm telling you, it's coming. Not only is it coming, it has begun. But Kobe, I believe we win. I believe we can win. I believe we can be a bright and shining light of unified believers that are coming together. Scott, with the vision you show, showed me this morning, amen. And all of us are making decisions now positioned in heavenly places. That we will actually be the earthly response of heavenly decisions. I saw it in a vision of we were the body of Christ walking on earth, but our head was in heaven, so we was making heavenly decisions in an earthly environment. Can y'all see that? And I said, oh my God, God said, this is what will cause healing instead of you having a worldview. It's still early. Can y'all listen as I ramble as Jamal said last week? I just, I just need you just for a minute to be in a spirit of prayer as I close this out. Can you do that right now? Can you just, can you just say, God, wh- where do I stand? Come on, just a few minutes. Just where do I stand? Whose side am I on? Where am I really standing? really standing come on just a few minutes just a few minutes don't 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 break it because this is what's about to happen look at me just a few minutes this is just an awesome spirit of prayer look at me now Taylor uh, Peter was an apostolic leader this is after he was filled with the Holy this is he was, matter of fact, Galatians chapter number two. Are y'all listening? Come on, stay with me. I know it's been long, but just stay with me. In Galatians two, Paul wrote these words. He said, Peter, James, and John, which are pillars in the kingdom, gave me the right hand of fellowship and said, you go to the Gentile heathens and preach and we will preach to the Jews. He said, so me and Barnabas took off and we're preaching to non-Jews. Think about racism. We're preaching to non-Jews. They're preaching to the Jews, which is circumcision. We're preaching to uncircumcision. And multitudes are getting saved, Paul said. And Peter comes down to be with us. And while Peter's with us, And all the uncircumcised, he's eating with us. He's hanging out with us. He's celebrating everybody's salvation. But all of a sudden, James showed up. James was the father of this thing. I mean, people went to James. I mean, he was the big dog. He was like the presiding bishop of the church. And when he did, Peter got up, oh, I can't eat with you. Oh, I can't eat with you no more. I got to get back. I got to get back. It said because he was afraid of what James may think. 
Not, with, not a reflection on James, because James wasn't that guy. But Peter said, oh, God, these hierarchy Jews, let me get up and get away. And the Bible says when he started acting ignorantly that some of the Jews started doing the same thing. And he said even Barnabas was deceived by his foolishness. I'm seeing it right now. I'm seeing it right now. And I rebuke it out of this church that I got some that hang with me and talk to me and point to me. Are you hearing me? Until some of their hierarchy gets around and all of a sudden they can't eat with me. Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about out there? It's a disgrace in the body of Christ. I, I don't know if I should do this, but I'm going to do it. I mean, I told the pastors I met with, we're going to have some conversations that if you're not mature, you're going to get mad at me. And I'm going to get mad at you. The question is, are we going to be able to stand? So I'm tired of dancing around issues that keep popping up every 10 years, every 15 years, and nothing is ever healed. Does anybody listen to me? There is a balm in Gilead. There is a physician. Cherish and Kenny was in a, somewhere, grocery store. Walmart. They're just met up in an aisle, and they're just talking about Jesus. You know how them two are. She don't know how Kenny is. He may have had flags. I don't know what he was doing. He had flags getting mashed potatoes. They were just having a high old time and somebody was listening to them. And before they left, they just hugged one another. And a stranger, right? A stranger walked up to her and said, Oh, it was so refreshing. You see how thirsty America is for some unity? You see how thirsty? They just don't know how to find it. We do. Scott, we got the answer. But you can't have the answer if you're too ignorant yourself. Kamal said that last week. Sucker was on a soapbox last week. Kamal, you laid the foundation for this message. She said it was so freshening to see young folks. <laughs> she must have been old. Young folks, I just kid, I just kid, but I did think that when you said it. <laughs> and she said, and y'all hugged, and he was a black man. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't notice because I live at a higher level. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't notice because I sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and there's no us and them. We've been made one body and the wall has been torn down by Jesus Christ. Somebody give God some praise in this place. So now I'm drawn from a different well. So God showed me there's a bunch of Joshua's in here this morning. You're here, all of you, from me on down. You've just like Joshua. God's going to fight for me because I'm right. No, God ain't for you. He's for his cause. My concern is not God on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side because God is always right in that power. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Carrying this. 
And I need your prayers because this message don't stop here. This message has to go into my leadership meetings. This is the message that I will carry into my pastoral leadership meetings. This is the only message I have now. It's the only that we got to unify the body of Christ because I was in Tennessee celebrating our anniversary. Is that what it was? No, your birthday. We do everything in Tennessee. Birthday, anniversary, first of the month, last of the month, you know, special things. <laughs> Up in them mountains, and I got a certain place we stay, and that's where I pray. And I spend time out there praying, and God spoke to me the most convicting verse. He said, is there not a balm in Gilead? Balm is a healing agent. I said, yes, sir. The next thing he says by the prophet is, is there not a physician? I had to say, yes, sir. And then he said, why is my people not healed? It put everything... <laughs> It put everything in perspective for me. It's because the physicians are sick. It's because we're sick with selfishness. We're sick with self-centeredness. We are victims of our culture and don't even know it. Yeah. Because we hadn't realized, Kamal, that he said, I raised you up above every bit of that. And I said in you, I've set you in spiritual places. So carnal people have tried for years to bring restoration to a body that is spiritual and they do not resonate. So it's going to take spiritual people to bring spiritual healing. And now we have learned, according to Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. God spoke to that to me in prayer the other day and before I could quote it, which I quoted a lot is when God told me that I, he said I can't give my burden to anybody, he said nobody wants to wrestle anymore. So I thought, God, how do I, how do I resonate scripture with resting and wrestling? He said nobody wants to wrestle anymore. So I just went to the Bible and it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, uh, yeah. rulers of the darkness. Yeah. So what's that look like? So I went to Passion. We love old Bill. Oh, it ain't Bill, Dr. Simmons. And it says, we're not in hand-to-hand -hand combat with people. We're in hand-to-hand -hand combat with devils. Courtney's been preaching to me a little sermon that I've been trying to learn from her. So I went to wrestling. You know how? I put my sword up and just went to wrestling. I went to binding devils and demons and spiritual rulers of the darkness that are, that are strongholds that's holding people's mindsets, pastors' mindsets, black man's white, uh, mindset, white man's mindset. They can't act any different or make any better decisions because they're being controlled by the ruler of darkness. So I said, God, teach me how to wrestle. And I found out my little prayer life is a whole lot easier than a wrestling match. It takes a little more focus to wrestle. Are you okay? It takes a little more time. I can't be multi 
multitasking when I'm wrestling. <laughs> uh, do y'all remember Sully? Captain Sully? Captain Sully was driving that airplane. Flying, yeah. No, he drove it on the water. He was flying an airplane. And all them things that life started throwing at him. Life started throwing things at him in forms of birds. It was spiritual wicknesses in very high places. Ha! That's good stuff. And it went through the engines. And he said, my mind went through all my training. All the training I had and all my gauges. What to do, how to do, when to do. But I was never trained for this specific encounter. And he said, I had to narrow everything I done. He said, he said I, I, I used to believe in people who told me they were good multitaskers. He said, but I learned that you're not a good multitasker. You just halfway do a lot of little things. That's what Sully said. He said, I had to quit. I had to lay all my training aside, all instruments aside, all my multitasking while I'm flying. I had to lay it aside and do one thing. Because I knew this plane was not going to land on a conventional strip. So I had to quit multitasking and focus on getting this plane to skip across that water. Can I tell you, we're crashing and burning because we're too multitasked when it comes to prayer. A lesser man would have killed everybody. He would have killed them all. But he knew how to say, everything else has got to stop. Everything else has got to stop. And I got to focus on getting this thing down. That's what God told me this week, Amanda. You're too multitasking. Even when you're praying, you're thinking about this and that. He said, you can't wrestle effectively if you ain't looking me in the eye. And then I just begin to know I can't go out there. We can't go out there, Fluky. You said some of this stuff in your last sermon. I can't go out there and begin to attack a devil that I didn't defeat in a prayer closet. He said, what you do privately, I will reward you publicly. Matthew chapter number 7. If you'll get in your closet and win... And I think the new ballots are good ballots God's bringing and using the evangelist office too. And then when I win in here and finish it in prayer, I got to get my feet out there around the walls. So I've been making phone calls almost shaking, saying, would you meet with me? Would you give me 30 minutes of your time? <laughs> Stand with me all over this building. 
I'm telling you, I don't know if you feel the burden I carry this morning. I, I don't know if you can leave out of here and go right on about your life like everything is hunky-dory. You are useless. I, I hate to be so bold, but I need you to, the word I really should use is, you are irrelevant. What good are we, Josh, Colby, Scott, Kamal? Benny, I'm just, I'm just calling out spiritual elders. What good are we if it's all we do is cultivate 10 acres, keep the lights on, keep it painted, keep it taken care of, and do not impact a geographical location that the conversations you've had to have with your children around your table, it's a whole different conversation with their kids. What have we done? If we don't leave a mark. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Because you were so busy about your everyday life. You haven't wrestled. We haven't. Our water has never broke. We bear no stretch marks. And there is no labor. And and tomorrow night we're going to talk a little bit more about it. And have not even realized there is a ruler of the darkness called the spirit of, of rebellion that's working in people's lives and they don't know it. Until a stronger than he comes in and begins to break those things and all of a sudden they're open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are y'all feeling me here this morning? We're finna move into a baptism, but no music today. No music today. I just need you to reflect for a few minutes. That's our altar call. Where do you stand? Whose side are you on? Would you... Let today be the beginning of a prayer of Ephesians chapter number two and verse number six. Father, that you will help me recognize my position. I am seated in heavenly places. I have been raised up above. If I can say this, Fluky, according to that scripture in Galatians, in, the, in Jesus there's neither bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. I've been raised up above the fact that I'm a man. You've been raised up above the fact that you're a woman. You are a spiritual being. And your job now is to pull that spiritual atmosphere into an earthly situation. Wow. What a privilege. What a responsibility, Courtney. The things God's been showing you walking around in your house kids behave in a certain way. This may get too spiritual for y'all, but don't even realize that maybe there's a spirit of disobedience provoking that. Oh, here's one for you while you're meditating. Courtney sent it to me the other day when Jesus, when Peter was, Peter was had his own agenda. I'm not going to let you get, oh, it sounded good. I'm not going to let you get killed, Jesus. I, they're not going to kill you while I'm here. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't talking to Peter. He looked into a realm that provoked that statement. So he dealt with a real problem instead of, Peter, quit talking like that. 
How many situations are we in and there's a, there's a spirit of influence behind it you don't recognize so you attack Peter? We're attacking the Peters. Are you following me? That's the realm we're supposed to be living in to where we recognize and that we're attacking the right problem. Father, we worship you this morning. While they're getting ready for the baptism, we're going to celebrate baptism. But come on, come on, come on, pray with me. Father, let me see what side I'm on. Let me see where I stand. Help me to take my position in Christ. Help me make my decisions in Christ. Philippians chapter number two. Let this mind be in me, which was also in Jesus Christ. God, oh, oh, I dare somebody to pray this. Lord, teach me how to wrestle. If I got to go into hand-in-hand combat over these devils, God, teach me how. Come on, come on, ask him. Teach me how. I had to quit wrestling people. Lord, teach us how to, to give birth. Teach us how to travail. Teach us how to conquer like Joshua did in a spirit of prayer. Y'all can go ahead and take that down. Joshua, just spirit of prayer for a few minutes. I tell you what I feel here is something, Gracie, that we really don't like as preachers to leave you with. And it's just a heavy spirit. (laughs) We like to leave on a high note, but not today. Not today. I want us to leave here carrying this burden of bringing change because this is not the last you've heard of what Life Church will be engaged in. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.